Hey everyone, this is John from pureandsimplebible.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Grateful that you're here and grateful to have another great conversation from the Bible itself. Today we're going to be talking with Brother Andrew Tucker. Andrew is an evangelist out in El Cajon, California in San Diego. And we were able to spend some time together when I held a gospel meeting out there just a few weeks ago. Andrew has a Bible study called A Calling to a Vocation. And it's so timely. Uh, you know, whatever our work might be, whether we work outside the home, work in the home, whether you go to school, work in part-time, we can all take a moment and uh, consider how our jobs and the work that we do uh, is something that's God-given and anyway, I hope that's an inspiring message for you. And so, without further ado, let's listen in on a conversation with Andrew on a calling to a vocation. Well, I'm here with Brother Andrew Tucker from El Cajon, California. Good to see you, Andrew. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. And I'm very thankful uh, for the meeting that we had together out there. It's been about a week, two weeks ago, that we had a gospel meeting in California together at El Cajon. And I wanted to have you on the podcast since I've got back, and you've got a very intriguing Bible study called A Calling to a Vocation that you're going to share with us today. So thank you for being on the show with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed uh, some of the podcasts I've listened to, and uh, just look forward to uh, sharing God's Word today. Well, excellent. Let's let's jump right in. Um, you intro this study with kind of an overview about work, and uh, I guess let's go ahead and start there, how not everybody views work the same way. I think it's kind of easy for us to be spoiled into a five-day work week, right? And then we get a, a nice long weekend, or we get uh, just a kind of a casual work day, per se, of eight hours. But work's not the same around the world, is it? Absolutely not. And you can attest to this, living in Cambodia, and I've done some work in Mexico, and you're right, the five-day work week is not just an American thing, but it's often country-specific. Some countries work less, some countries work more. And at least I can attest to in America, a lot of times people see work as a necessary evil. Right. Something they have to do in order to pay the bills, and then we get to enjoy ourselves on the weekend. That's the time we really get to live right. when we're not at work. And so what, what you've done is you've uh, considered four biblical ways that we can look at work, maybe to help motivate us when we're on the job or motivate us about when we find that job. And um, I guess let's just state them at the beginning and try to work our way through. That way people know what, what's going to be coming. But you've studied out how there is a design to work, a dignity in our work, a service in work, but also a vanity to our work. And so... Um, if we were to jump into that very first one, uh, what do you see when you look in the Bible about God's design in work? When we look to the book of Genesis, chapter 1 and chapter 2, we see God creating the world and everything in it. And God himself worked in creating the world. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Now the seventh day God finished his work mm -hmm. that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done in creation. In the beginning, there was work. 
Right. And what God created, he called it good. Right. And so you're you're saying that in Genesis chapter 2 verse 1 through 3 this this section of God defining things that are good, part of that thing that is good is work. Uh, it's defined by God as good, right? Absolutely. And he even called it very good. Uh-huh. Okay. And there was even more to it that when God created man, he gave us works to do. In Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. God created man, and then he gave them something to do. He gave them work. Okay. So part of God's design is for us to be productive, right? He didn't give Adam this beautiful, luscious garden to go on a permanent vacation, and then Adam spoiled it all. Uh, Adam was working the whole time, right? Absolutely. God knew that we needed something to do. So he said, you need to fill the earth and subdue it. And he gave them a job to do. And that was before the fall. It wasn't, a lot of times people think, oh, they got work because they sinned. Well, actually, God gave work before the fall of man. That's a good point to make. You know, since work is good and God only creates good things, then uh, work is something uh, that we can look at positively. I think about John chapter 5, verse 17, for example. Uh, you have those in your notes. And it says, uh, Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. And so uh, it, it wasn't that God finished his work in that seven-day time. When, in, when he gave work to man, he continued to work himself. Jesus continued to work. So there's uh, definitely this this positive attribute of God's design for it. You have a few psalms in your notes. Do you mind sharing a couple of them? Psalms is always a, a great reservoir for how great God is and uh-huh. what he does for us. At Psalm 104 in verse 14, where the psalmist writes, You cause the grass to grow for the livestock, and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth. Also, Psalm 145, 15 and 16 the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. God continues to work for his creation. He provides food. He provides what we need. God didn't create the world and step back and say, okay, have at it. No, he continues to work, and he also asks us that we continue to work. And so part of God's design then is that he doesn't want us to be idle, right? Absolutely. God knew that we needed something to do, and God sees idleness as an evil. He doesn't want us to be idle. In Second Thessalonians 3, verses 10 through 12, Apostle Paul writes, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we commend and encourage the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So it seems like there's a difference uh, maybe between having a day off and complete idleness, right? Help me understand what that might be. 
Well, we understand that God created the earth in six days, and he rested on the seventh day. And he set that precedent that we work, but also we can rest. Right. But being idle doesn't mean that we're resting. It means that we're not doing anything when we're supposed to be working. Okay. Okay. We're not busy about the Lord's business. We're not we're not providing that we need to provide. Right. No, God gave us ability and gave us tools that we can use, that we can provide for our families and support ourselves and also work for the Lord. Now, is the the work that God designed, are we talking just about going to our job, you know, clocking in from eight to five, or is it work maybe that's not paid for as well? That's a, that's a great question, because a lot of times people will say, I know this has been brought up to me, say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm a college student. I don't have a, a job right now, or I stay at home with my kids. I'm a stay-at-home mom, mm-hmm. and all this about work, and it doesn't necessarily feel like I fit in. Well, right. all of that is, of course, work, a role that God has given us. God wants He wants people to stay home with their kids and raise them. He wants people to learn to be able to provide better for their families. So whether we are getting paid or whether we're in the home or not, that work is good and that work is needed. That's right. God gave everyone something to do. So that's why we give our children chores. It's not to punish them, which, you know, we thought we were being punished, <laughs> but it's to teach them about that they can be part of society, that they can help the family, even in a small way, that God wants us to do something. You're ruining a really good thing for me. I thought chores that I, I was getting to boss my kids around and have them, you know, be part of my own personal empire. But you're saying that chores are actually beneficial for them as well. It's kind of a yeah, chores. Chores are good. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, if we were to move on beyond the design of work, you know, hopefully people can put this this framework out there that uh, work is good. But there's actually a dignity to it that there's honor in our labor. Help me understand what you mean by that phrase, dignity in work. Well, this touches on the type of work, the type of job that we have. And a lot of times we might see a job that we have as a temporary. It's not our career. It's not what we've gone to college for. It's not what we see doing long term or it's something that we're going to do until we retire. And... So that job may not be as important to us. Mm-hmm. Or even in society, we might look at some careers and say, well, that's a more respected job. Right. And maybe some job is not as well respected. Right. I know I'm guilty of that. You know, if uh, you look at one type of career that maybe it's got a piece of paper attached to it and suddenly it's more valuable or more needed than a one that doesn't have a diploma or something attached to it. But does God feel the same way? I mean, do you think that God is going to value somebody's job because they have three PhDs versus somebody that's never been to school in their life? Well, if we look at some of the examples in the Bible, if we can go back to creation for a moment, what did God do? He created a garden for Adam Adam and Eve. God was a gardener. Mm. Jesus, what did he do? He worked with his hands. He was a carpenter, or some will say a stonemason. Right. What I'm taking away from this is whatever the labor 
might have been, uh, whether it is with our hands or, you know, in our culture, we may not work with our hands as much. I mean, each person's different, but uh, we're fortunate in our country that several do work indoors. But summing up that dignity, whether I work inside or outside, uh, all jobs have a form of dignity about them. How would you define that? As we see from Scripture, that work is not demeaning. Okay. It's not a necessary evil. Our work is good. God doesn't look at our job with disdain and say, well, they should get a better one than that. <laughs> no. <laughs> when we're working or making an honest living, that that's a good thing. I can remember when I was a kid, um, we, we had to have part-time jobs since we were young teenagers growing up in our home. But one of the things that my dad always said, and it's really impacted me, and so I say it as well to our children, is uh, the phrase, as long as you're a Christian. You know, uh, whether you're going to be digging holes or whether you're going to be designing machines that dig the holes for you, uh, as long as you're a Christian, then there's dignity in the labor that you do. And, you know, of course there's going to be certain professions that do not incline us to godliness. Uh, and so we can't use that as an excuse. Well, I can do whatever I want because there's dignity in labor. But we, you know, I had a job as, for example, I had a job at the Rib Crib up in Oklahoma City, which I don't know if those are beyond the Oklahoma City area, but it's basically fast food rib restaurants. And uh, I was the dishwasher in Rib Crib. And so I came home with my skin stained up to, you know, the basically my shoulders where my, my whole arms were down in dirty dishwater washing the dishes of rib crib, all-you-can-eat buffet ribs. Oh, man, it was awful. But that same type of work uh, has dignity to it as the person who owns the restaurant. It's kind of the takeaway that I'm getting from this conversation. Is that is that a fair point? Absolutely. Whatever our job is, as a Christian, we do it with dignity. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 Apostle Paul tells us, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Okay, so that verse, even though it's about conscience and liberty, uh, you're, you're taking a broader explanation of it. Help me understand that. That whatever profession or job, whether we're at home or we're at school, whatever we're doing, we do it for God whether we're digging ditches or delivering food, changing diapers, God wants us to do those things. But we do it in His name with faithfulness to Him. Okay. Work is not punishment. Work is not in vain. Right. It's almost like when my arms are being stained with barbecue sauce, uh, I, it's about my attitude, right? Like, I may not enjoy the job per se, but I can do the job well because I know that work is an honor, and it's an honor to get to work because God has given it to me. Is that right? Absolutely. People are needed in different areas. Right. God designed us with different abilities and different gifts, and we all can't have the same job. If we did, we wouldn't have a very functioning society. Right, that's true. And even in the church, if we all had the same task, we wouldn't be very effective right. as the body of Christ. That's a good point. So we've considered how 
God-designed work, that there is this dignity to our labor. But taking it kind of a step farther spiritually, um, whether you are digging the ditches or you're designing the machine that digs it for you, there is a service to our labor or to our vocation. Help me understand uh, what you mean by that, that there is service to our work. I think a great verse to turn to is Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or free. You know, Andrew, when I hear that verse, I know that we're talking about work, but the, the, the person that's being addressed there is a bond servant, and they're told to obey their earthly masters with fear and trembling. Not necessarily a phrase that I might relate to a lot. Um, can you give me a modern-day parallel and how I could apply this to my life? A word we can use in our times would be an employee. Okay. So if you just want to replace bond servant with employee, when we're working for a company or for a boss or we're even working for a friend or in the family, when we're serving in that position or that capacity, Paul tells us here that we should serve as if we were serving Jesus himself. But we are providing a service. Right. And we're helping people. What if the boss is terrible, though? I mean, what if they, you know, they obviously don't know what they're doing. The company's tanking. Uh, I mean, does the same thing apply to that kind of person? They may not be worthy of being honored. As, as a Christian, we are to respect everyone, whether they, quote-unquote, deserve it or not, mm-hmm. because we are focused on serving God. Right. And we're focused on providing the work that we are doing the best to our ability. We may not always like our boss or get along with our boss, but we are finding a way that we can actually show others that we can be a good example. Right. They they might ask us, why why are you so nice to the boss when everyone else is so mean to them or talks behind their back? Well, I'm a Christian. There you go. And I'm told to be loving and to be patient and to be kind. Looks like there's opportunity for outreach by serving one who we don't necessarily uh, think deserves to be served. Let's look beyond that opportunity to serve a boss and maybe take that relationship out of it. But you know, the, the service that, that we can provide, um, I think it's easy for people to look at work as a different part of their life than the Christian faith. You know, like, I'm going to go, I'm going to punch in the clock. And then once I'm off the clock, I can, I'll be a Christian and I'll start doing those things again. But part of your study is to show that when we're clocking in for that next eight-hour shift or however long we're at work is a great time for us to serve the Lord, right? Absolutely. Our service to God is not just what we do outside of work or outside of the home. Our service to God is every single part of our life. Mm-hmm. And I would say even especially at work, because that's where we're around people that don't know us as well, right. that we can actually have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. But whether we share the gospel or not, our work 
is important to God, and it's part of our Christian life. Right. God wants us to work hard. God wants us to be a good employee. He wants us to be a good mom and dad. Everything that we do, we do for Jesus. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You know, when you read that verse, uh, I, I, it's one of my favorites. Whatever you do in word or deed seems very abstract. You know, it's very easy to think, well, goodness, how do I do whatever, you know, in word or deed, doing it all in the name of the Lord Jesus all day long? I mean, am I supposed to sleep in Jesus' name? And, and how would I do that? Help maybe break down a day for me and help me realize the effectiveness of why I should be serving the Lord at work. This is an important point, I think, to understand. We all understand that there's 24 hours in a day. And we'll just say for average sake that we sleep eight hours a day and we work eight hours a day. Obviously, depending on our, our job or whether we're a stay-at-home mom or not, the numbers are going to be bigger or smaller. Right. Stay-at-home mom's but, probably going to be like 16 to 20 hours a day, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say, okay, so we have sleep eight hours, work eight hours, and we have eight hours for everything else right. in a day. Okay. But we also understand that includes we might have to commute, uh-huh. We might have to do errands, get ready for work, eat, chores. And when you really think about all the things you have to do in a day, it gets dwindled down really fast. Right. And sometimes this can be discouraging to a Christian who wants to serve God. They say, if I wasn't working all day, I could be doing so much more for God. When in reality, our work is not an adversary in serving God. But it's another way in which we can give glory to God. We can be a shining light in whatever we are doing. We can be a good example. We can share the good news of Christ, whether we're at work or whether we're at school. Right. In Colossians 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And so whatever we do, we're serving God in it. That's a great mindset to have, isn't it? And I think another example we look to in Scripture, going back to Jesus for a moment, is that not only did Jesus work with his hands, let's just say, for argument's sake, he was a carpenter. Right. He took the time to learn that trade. We don't necessarily have the details, but Jesus lived as a man. He had to learn carpentry. Right. And he didn't see that as a negative. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker, uh-huh. and, he had, and he made tents, and That's he right. had to learn that skill. But he didn't, Apostle Paul or Jesus didn't see that as keeping them from God. Right. They didn't grumble, man, I'm wasting my time when I could be out there serving God. Um, you have written down here a, a note about Mike Rowe, and some people might know him, some people not, but he's a... a TV personality who uh, interviewed people in a show called Dirty Jobs, and you want to take a moment to maybe talk about him and how he, what he has said in the past fits in with this mindset of serving others in our work? I saw a video where he was speaking about passion, and a lot of times 
young people are told, find a career that you're passionate about. Right. So people say, okay, what, what do I like to do? And they try to find a career, try to find a, a degree in that area, and then try to get a job. But a lot of times people become unhappy or they have difficulty finding a job in that area. So he had a different take on it, and that was whatever your job is, you can learn to be passionate about it. Right. One example that he gave of a business owner was someone who started a septic company. Now, that's not something that I think as a kid that people say, oh, when I grow up, I want to have a septic company. Right. <laughs> but this owner found an area which was a need in his community, and he was able to make money at it, and he said that he became passionate about people's waste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was an opportunity. Right. And he, and he took And that's really what it boils down to as Christians when we're at our work. It may not be our dream job. It may not be where we want to be in five years, but a job is a blessing to us. And we may not be able to change our job, but we can change our attitude about that job. That's right. We can find contentment in the Lord. And through that contentment, we can be content with our job, even if it's not what the Joneses are doing next door. Absolutely. And I think that's where we we circle back to Scripture, is that if we are fed up with our boss or fed up with our customers, instead of focusing on those people, we can change our audience to God. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm serving God. I'm serving Jesus. That's who I'm really serving. You know, I feel very motivated based on these three points. You know, I see God's design. I see that there's dignity and honor in whatever I do, if I can do it to the glory of God, there's dignity and honor to it. And there's a service that I can provide others in, and knowing that I'm working for the Lord brings contentment. But the last point in, the, in your study um, is about the vanity of work. So it's almost like we're pausing from this positive uh, portion of the study to give a warning about what happens when maybe we don't have the proper motivation in our labor. Help, help us understand what we're talking about with uh, working in vain, or how work can be vain. As we know from Scripture, God gives us both sides of the story. Is that God created work, and work is good, but there can be danger in our work right. when our work is without God. Because our jobs and our careers, they're important and necessary, but work without God is meaningless. Right. If we pursue fulfillment through our work and not through God, we're going to have a rude awakening. The book of Ecclesiastes, it writes a lot about vanity. Right. And one of the things he mentioned is actually our work can be vanity. In Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17 through 19, he writes, So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and is striving after wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is also vanity. In the words of the preacher here, all the work that we do 
is empty if we don't do it unto the Lord. And that all that work that we do is going to end up in someone's hand that may not even appreciate it. Right. Uh, when we lived in Cambodia, we had 10 suitcases worth of our life that we could take over there with us and then we could bring back to America when we moved home three years later. And uh, when we moved there, you know, we had our clothes and computer goods and, and various things, and we were able to put all of our junk into storage in America and pretty easily fit things into tin bags. But, you know, when we moved to Cambodia, even after three years, we had so much stuff that, uh, things that were needed, you know, night table and uh, maybe an office furniture, whatever, you know, all this stuff that was left over. And we had tin bags that we could bring back. And it was such a visual reminder of how something can be so valuable in one moment and then the next moment it's completely unvaluable so we we had to get things into 10 bags each bag had to weigh a certain amount and there was just a half room's worth of stuff that we hadn't yet sold in our our big garage sale and it didn't fit in our 10 bags and suddenly things that were one minute highly valuable didn't mean anything to me anymore because I wanted to get back to the States. I had my tin bags that were full. I couldn't fit anything else in. And that stuff was meaningless. And so, again, that, that principle of we've brought nothing into the world. We can take nothing out of it. If my whole life is spent in work and getting stuff and things, then kind of like what you're saying, uh, this preacher in Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon, looks at that kind of a lifestyle and says, what does this matter when all I'm going to do is leave it for people that come after me and, and who knows whether they're even going to use it or, or just get rid of it? That's why Jesus said, what profit a man is to gain the whole world but lose his soul. That's right. I like in Psalm 127 and verse 1, the psalmist writes, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, those who build it labor in vain. Work is good and work is important. God wants us to do it. But if we work without Him, we're going to be lost. I like the way that you end your study, and so I'll ask you to, to speak on it a little bit. Even though work is valuable and gives us that purpose, it can't save us, right? Our work will not save us. We're saved through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, verses starting in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not by your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Jesus provided a way that we could be saved from our sins, and nothing that we could do on our own could merit salvation. Right. We are stuck in our sins. We want to serve God in everything that we do. But to have the forgiveness of our sins, we have to enter into Christ. Right. Jesus provided himself as a sacrifice to die for our sins. And when we enter into the watery grave of baptism, our sins are washed away and we arise a new creation provided by the blood of Jesus Christ. I like that. I like to, to end it there, because even though we're talking about our vocation and our work and how valuable it is, spiritually, the, you know, the things I take away from that, the satisfaction of labor, the 
the service that I'm able to give others, it's also good to remember that the things that I do, I can't take away my sin. And that's what our, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, can do through his death, burial, and resurrection when we have an obedient faith in him. So what a great way to end the study. Thank you so much for coming on and for taking this time to share your study with us. Jonathan, I really enjoyed it. I appreciate the work that you're doing, and may God bless you. I'd like to thank Andrew for the opportunity once again. Thank you, brother, for coming on and for discussing this Bible study with us. I hope that it's helpful for those uh, who are listening. And if you want to know more about it, you can go to www.pureandsimplebible.com backslash podcast. There you'll find this episode in addition to all of the other episodes that are available online. And there's a lot of great resources for you to look at on the website, so please check it out. And so, until next week... This is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you next week.